Welcome back to another episode of Sharpening Your Sword with Mike and Mark. It is always good to be with you. We Mm -hmm. uh, took a week off so that I could Mm -hmm. go and uh, see my grandson. I love your tan. Dedicated. Thank you. Yes, I, I worked on that sitting in the house all day. And uh, that, that those those lights that come from the, the mm. incandescent bulb, they really oh, yeah. give you a beautiful tan, yeah. don't they? Much better than the, the LED lights. Oh, by so, far, by yeah. far, yes. I, 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 yeah, any, yeah. So, Mark, why don't you tell us where we're going today? Well, I will tell you where we're going today, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I passed on a quote to a pastor a few days ago. It's from John Wesley, and he said... The church changes the world, not by making converts, converts, not converse shoes, but converts by making disciples. Right. And, you know, pastor and I, out of that grew a discussion. So today, rather than dealing with a specific verse in the Bible, or uh, we're going to deal more with a discussion of this topic. Um, what is the balance um, between conversion and discipleship? Right. And to be to rest assured, we are going to end in the scripture here. We do have a a passage, but we want to set this up mm-hmm. in, in, in before we get there to help you understand where we're going. But we are going to be in the Word. But yes, yeah, and yeah. and I th- I think for me immediately my mind went to some of the church movements that I have witnessed in the last 30, oh, yeah. 40 years, oh, yeah. especially the eighties and nineties, seem like every few years. Somebody was putting out a book which was guaranteeing that your church was going to rocket upwards. And uh, this was the era of the, the seeker sensitive movement where, you know, you're to be kind, you're dumbing down your service, you know, for people coming in off the streets so they wouldn't be overwhelmed, so they wouldn't be yeah, threatened. Don't give them the meat, give them the milk. Yeah, there was, yeah. was a lot of milking going on. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and and they all had different names. Yes. Each one, reach mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. bring a friend. I mean, we had, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, uh, you know, there's there's this whole, and and when I was in the big house, I, <laughs> I almost went there again. Um, I would, I would tell people, people would ask, what church should I go to when I got, when I get out? And I would explain how some denominations were really good with new converts and baby Christians, and some were better with mature Christians when you were ready to be discipled. And so how does, how does a church do both? Right, right. Because the balance is extremely important. And I've, I've, I've heard churches uh, say this, congregations that will say this, that well, we are seeker sensitive. We're great at getting in there and making, mm-hmm. making, seeing people get saved. And and praise the Lord, that's what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed mm-hmm. to go get people saved and spread the gospel. Absolutely, that is every Christian should be doing that. But but almost to a fault of well, you're in in an inch deep and a mile wide. Yeah, and you got exactly. people coming in one door and going out the back door mm-hmm. and. Yeah. They they have no idea now how to you know what do you do now you're you have this relationship with Jesus Christ what do you do and then you have churches that man we are real heavy on the discipleship and man we're we're gonna grow 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 and it, pretty soon who are you growing you know mm-hmm. because you are who are you how are you building new relationships to see these people get saved and 
and and what are you doing to do that? And and mm-hmm. you, you, all one or all the other is yeah. is a problem. Yeah, and I I think. In today's world where there's all kinds of craziness and hatred of Christians, you know, it seems like going on, it's real easy for us to withdraw and say, we're just going to work on getting, you know, more mature, stronger, and, you know, we'll, we'll get around to that conversion stuff later. I saw you quoted on Facebook about a week ago um, by, by someone I go, wow, I know the guy who's getting quoted on Facebook. (laughs) And I I believe the quote was, uh, holiness often masquerades as legalism. Yes, yes, it does, unfortunately. And and that actually can have a a horrible effect of making people uh, leaving a sour taste toward holiness. And holiness is what we're called to and what we should long for. But... When you see a church that is only focusing on discipleship, it can actually end up masquerading and falling into a legalism because then we begin to categorize what things look like and it has to be this, 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 and this. And that's legalism because, you know, it holiness is a working day in, day out relationship sanctified with God where he is changing us and transforming us and and that looks different in everybody. Yeah. And and there's a lot of room for grace in that. Yeah. And and that's really important. So understand. so on one side of the spectrum, you can easily slide into legalism, harshness, you know, we're we're discipling over here. The other end is where you're putting so much emphasis on conversion and the baby Christian that you never help them to grow up. So you have a lot of weak, immature believers and often people who fall away from the faith. Right. And so uh, a a balance is definitely needed. So a little background for the listener, uh, a little more background. We've kind of given you an idea of where where we started with this. Where it really came out of is certainly as everyone has been so upset and moved by the events of last week in Texas with the shooting and the variety of responses that we saw on, on social media and in the regular media and uh, to that. And I was stunned by how few of them really were focused on the kids and the families and the pain that they're facing. Instead, we got into politics and change and all this other garbage. Um, but in measuring our response and what, you know, what is it, you know, I, w- we hear it said, and I've said it, and I believe it in the core of my being, that the answer to our problem is in the Scripture. It's, it's Jesus Christ. He is the mm-hmm. answer to these yeah. issues. Well, what in the world does that mean? We say that, boy, we, we print it on things. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. And it's true. He is. But what in the world does that mean? How, how do we see lives changed? Mm-hmm. What in the world does that look like? And that's where this discussion of, of seeking and discipling come in. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't want to get in, we're not going to get into the ins and the outs of, of everything last week 
with that with that event there are families that are tragically up you know just devastated absolutely devastated i can't even begin to think about the pain that they are feeling and imagine what they're going through mm-hmm. it's got to be horrendous um and we are praying for them and praying for peace and strength and comfort during these times but that was a messed up individual that was a person who was I'm, I'm sorry, you're not sane to do something like that. You are sick. You have an illness, primarily the illness of sin in your life. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and, and there is some problems there. Yeah. And as we have said, in every one of these situations, whether it's been a shooting or whether it's been somebody doing something rash, whether it's somebody just committing suicide, whatever, something got missed, right? Yeah. Something got missed. Somebody missed something along the way. And we can armchair quarterback it till we're blue in the face and say, well, somebody should have done this, that, and the other. Yeah, somebody should have. And we, if we keep looking backwards, we're never going to figure out progressively and proactively what to do. So, so then the question is, how, how do Christians right. get involved? How do we make a change in the world so these events will happen at least less, um, right. you know, yeah. because, because I, I just find myself saying, you know, where, where was the Christian presence that might have made a difference in this right. situation? And one caveat before we get further into this, you said it and it's true. We're, and we're going to read Paul telling us this in just a minute. It's going to be there. It's going to be there. Okay. As long as there's sin in the world. It's going to be there. It's going to be there. You, and, and you're not going to change everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to give it our best shot. We're going to do everything we can. But yeah. you're not going to change everyone. Um, and, and so we, we you know, that, that is out there. Because, yeah, there's still sin in the world and people can reject that. Um, but. As we talked about that and we began to look at this and this idea of balance, I have always said and believed that in our life, everyone, you know, looking at Paul as our model, everyone should have a Barnabas in your life. That's your mentor. Barnabas was Paul's mentor. Everyone should have a Barnabas. Uh, You should, all throughout your life, never stop being mentored. If you don't have a mentor in your life, you need to go find one. And the older you get, you got to get creative because you got to find somebody that's going to mentor you. You should have, if you're fortunate and pray for it, a Silas. Paul had his Silas. Um, Mark is my Silas in many ways. I have other people that are, are there. Because we spend a lot of time singing we late do. at night. Yeah. Uh, midnight, we're, we're there we're singing and praising God. We're waiting for the bars to fly That's open. right. Well, wait a minute. You want to rephrase that? <laughs> We're not waiting for those kinds of bars to fly open. <laughs> We're going to get in trouble here. Cruise in the town. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but but a, a Silas, somebody to walk alongside you mm-hmm. in ministry, to do ministry with you, that is your brother in Christ who who you you do ministry with, that, that is there, that you lift each other up, you hold each other accountable. They're, they're your partner in, in ministry, that Silas person. And then... You most definitely need a Timothy, and that is somebody that you are pouring into, mentoring, and and bringing them along, and and speaking into, and that begins now. Where we're going to look at is Paul's in the discipleship part of this, 
Okay, so that's kind of where we're going to fall a little heavier on in this is looking at that piece of it. So, so Timothy's already a believer. Right, at this point. He's not trying to, to, to explain Jesus to him to where he gets saved. Timothy's already there. Matter of fact, Timothy is, is uh, one of Paul's leaders that he's leaning into to lead that church. And, and so that's the discipleship part of it, where he's teaching and molding and, and, and bringing somebody along and what that looks like. And so, but the conversion part of it already happened, and then you move into that discipleship part. And so we're, where I want us to look at in, in understanding this is in Second Timothy. So if you've got your Bible, open it up, look at it. We're going to be in a couple chapters. This is a big passage. I'm not going to read all of it, but this is a bigger passage. And it really begins, the, the whole piece of it begins in 2 Timothy 2 when Paul is talking to him. Now, 2 Timothy is Paul's last letter, and it's written, to, written obviously, to Timothy. And we know that it's the last one he writes before he, he dies, at least the last letter that we have uh, before he died. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess he could have written another one, but far as we or know... Or at least a postcard or two. Yeah, you know. So. Uh, could have jotted off an email, you know. What, no, that's a joke. Uh, but for as far as we know, this is Paul's last letter. Yeah. Which make these words to Timothy all the more weighty. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they carry a lot more substance even knowing that now, uh, looking back at it. And, and he's, he's giving some final encouragement. Uh, as we see in chapter 2, in, in verse uh, 14, uh, he's, he's uh, telling Timothy to be a workman approved by God. He says, keep reminding them of these things. And he's going to list some as well as the things he's already said. Warn them before God against quarreling. Uh, he's telling them how to be a leader of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to quarrel about words. Boy, we need that today. Do we not? Uh, I mean, every one of us need that to 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 heed that uh, from Paul, don't quarrel about words. It's of no value and only ruins those who listen. Uh, and then, uh, very, uh, I actually had to to memorize this verse before I went to NYC as a teenager. Second uh, Timothy two fifteen, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will become more and more ungodly. And you see he's giving he's giving Timothy some encouragement. He's giving him some guidance. Very practical advice. Absolutely. Stuff that it's going to be right where he's at. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with this with this early church? And then he, he talks about fleeing the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Uh, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Hello, social media. Because you know they produce quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful, those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Mm-hmm. Now, 
after saying all of that, and he's, he's really giving him some, some great guidelines, then he gives Timothy a warning. And it's a warning that we would do well to remember, but he's letting Timothy know that, hey, buddy, it's not going to be pretty. The, the, what you're up for and what you're getting into is a mess. And he says that in, verse, in, in chapter 3, he begins it by saying, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud. How about abusive? Think the events of this last week? Disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, events of the last week, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That kind of sums it up all right there because yeah, yeah. it's a lover of self. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Now, that's hitting at people in the church. Mm-hmm, exactly. Have nothing to do with them, he says. Now, that's pretty pretty harsh. And now, is, is Paul saying that we should disown those people and not? No, he's saying don't become like them. Yeah. Don't. Don't. So you know, don't associate yourself to where you become one of them. We we should always be asking ourselves, am I influencing people around me, or are they influencing me? You know, when when we're dealing with uh, the sinful world we live in. Yeah, and and he says, you know, Paul's charge to Timothy. So these are his final words to Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra? The persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Yep. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, what I love about that verse, especially verse 10. I mean, obviously, he's letting us know, hey, you're going to be persecuted. James says it. Peter tells us, you know what? If the Bible's telling you you're going to be persecuted, quit acting surprised when we get persecuted. Uh-huh. Okay? I mean, in fact, in fact, if you don't run into some opposition, you might want to check yourself because that probably means Jesus is not showing through you enough for you to challenge anyone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. But verse 10 of chapter 3 in 2 Timothy, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life. My... How do you think Paul knew that? I mean, excuse me, how Timothy knew that? Someone had to share it. And it had to have been Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul poured into Timothy. He lived with, he, he lived into him. Mm-hmm. How does somebody, uh, you know, I, I talked about, you being like a Silas to me, but how in the world do you know these things? I mean, 
because we we walk it together. You mm-hmm. you know, we we know I, each other. I, you often know what you're going to say before you say it because I've heard you say it before. Right, so. right, and we read each other. I I know what you, I know when you're off off kilter a little bit or or when things because we've we've lived into each other enough to know mm-hmm. you know that's what that's what accountability mentoring being connected living into somebody is mm-hmm. and if you're going to speak into somebody's life and see them get you you it's messy you have to get close yeah and you and can't disciple from a distance no and people are messy mm-hmm. we're dealing with broken hurting people and they're messy and broken people do broken things. Broken people behave in broken ways. And they're going to hurt you. They, they, might, they might listen for a little while and then go off. You know how many people come through this congregation that we, we see and we go, great, we're going to have an opportunity to speak into the life. They're here for a week or two, a month or two, maybe a year or two, and then they're gone. They're off in the wind again, and you're going, well, what? No, Okay. Well, you, you had an influence for the time you were faithful, for the time that you were there. And that's what God calls you to yeah. do. And sometimes you get it where it, it does have a profound impact. But you continue to be obedient and pour into the lives of the people around you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then we're able to say, as Paul does, you, however, know all about my teaching. You you know my way of life, and that speaks more about the than it does the teaching. You know Paul's way of life, Timothy. You have seen it. You've seen that he is what he says he is. He is what he preaches. You've seen that. His purpose, his faith, his patience, his love. Who can say that about us? That we have let the mask down enough to pour into somebody that that they know we who lives within us. And, and that we're pouring into them. And if we do that, one, individually, with other people outside the walls of the church, and then we do that as a body of believers where the purpose of the church becomes outside the walls of the church, then we do begin to see a change. We do begin to see something happen. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll be small at first, yeah. But from a little spark, a mighty forest fire begins. These are dark times we are living in. These are evil times we are living in. Time uh, a time where evil is celebrated, rejoiced, yes. uh, and trumpeted as the right thing to do. So it's easy to to just want to throw up your hands and feel overwhelmed by this. But that's where these words from Paul really kick in. Um, verses 16 and 17 there of, of chapter of, three. Thank you. I, yeah, I almost didn't read that. Shame <laughs> so, on me. So yes. this, man, it yes. just hits me like a ton of bricks. All this scripture. Is what, what, what we need. Absolutely. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Gee, it sounds like sharpening our sword a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, that's the thing from last week, as I as I saw so many responses uh, on social media and in, in other ways and hearing people talk. You know, when, when we started sharpening your sword, the, the, the emphasis for this year, 
the idea was that I, I said in the beginning that things are only going to get worse for us in the years to come. That wasn't a political statement. That wasn't any other. It, that's just like Paul said. It's going to be bad. And it's going to continue to be bad until Jesus comes back, until until the, the Father says, that's it, and it's over. It's going to continue to be bad. Yep. Okay? I mean, we just need to realize that and not be shocked by it. And But if our response when horrible events like last week happen, and friends, there's going to be more of them. That's just not necessarily school shootings like that, but just events that take our breath away when we hear of them. And if our response is to be thrown into chaos and be tossed by the wind and looking to other people to solve our problems instead of God, then we're not getting our foundation in the word. We're not truly sharpening our sword. Because if we're sharpening our sword and we're looking to the word first and our response comes out of that, where God is truly Lord of our life, then our response is measured. Then prayer does become important. Yeah. Then, then we are a calm, we, we, we are a voice of calm. Not that we turn a blind eye to anything, but we speak calm and peace and mm-hmm. resting in God's presence and the healing and the comfort that comes from him, not from an amped up chaos, but a peace from within the spirit of God living within us. And that comes out of resting in his word. And and that should always be our go-to is the word of God first and in showing that he is Lord. Now, does that mean that we don't ever see changes? Of course we are there things that can be absolutely, you know, but that's for a different, this, our first I, I believe move, you vote, don't you? I do. As a matter of fact, I work now for the voting. Uh-huh. So, you know, I'm a big believer, and I actually, truth be told, I voted today because I can't, I'm working the election, so I can't, I can't go to my polling place. So I voted at the courthouse today. Vote early, vote often. <laughs> now, that's Chicago. <laughs> But, you know, so it's really important that we are mm-hmm. in the word. Yep. And, and so all of that to say to you that our, our answers are here. They, they are. They're here in the word. Yep. Um, it's, it's not that any one of us is, is great. Certainly not. But with Christ in us, we are amazing uh, to his glory, not ours. And, and that speaks to how awesome he is because we are people with feet of clay and fallible and, 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 and breakable. And, but man, with, with God leading us and, and with us in his word, the world can change uh-huh. if we will be obedient. Yeah. If, if we will pour into somebody's life, if we will let the differences subside, if we take Paul's words to Timothy to heart when he talks about not being lovers of, of quarreling. And, you know, we, we have so many bickerings with people. Uh, we have people that, I mean, that have issues with so many different people. And, and we have, you know, I, I think about, you know, well, we've got an enemies list. Well, if you've got, if you have to have a list for your enemies, you've got too many enemies. 
you know, it, it, and, and we, we can't, well, we're not going to talk to, you know, this congregation isn't going to talk to that congregation. Are you kidding me? I mean, those are the kinds of things we've had for they, years. They will know we are Christians. By, by our, our love. love. Exactly. And, and yet we're wondering why we, we have a world that won't listen mm-hmm. to, the, to the message. You know, because are we living into people? Are we truly living what we're, well, how about first, are we really believing what we're saying? Mm-hmm. And then are we living what we're saying? And then are we actually getting out and saying it? You know, and so I'll stop there because I could keep going. And this is and something could, believe me. I could, I get fired up over it. And, uh, and it's a good thing to get fired up over, but you don't want to sit and hear me talk for the next three hours. So I got a feeling you'd turn this off by then. So as always, uh, we end this by telling you the most important thing that you need to hear. And that is that God loves you so very much. And you know what? He loves all these people that we disagree with. And he loves, Mm -hmm. he even loved Mr. Ramos, who went and did something so deplorable. It grieved God. That wasn't God's plan for him to do that. But he loved that man. Mm -hmm. And that man could have had a relationship with Jesus. And that's the tragedy. Uh, That's another part of the tragedy, let's put it that way. But God loves you so very much, and I hope you know that. I hope you live in that reality today and that you have experienced his saving grace in your life uh, because it's there for you. As always, we'll see you back here on Sunday, and I hope, oh, and if uh, you're local and you're hearing this, don't forget the community meal this Thursday night at 5 o'clock here at the church. Have a great day.